0: Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you today. Great time of singing and worship, and I pray that the Word of God will be just as rich for us. Today we are in our fifth week of our series entitled Intentional, because we are intentionally trying to be intentional. Uh, This whole series is about the church of good news, really the, the church... Internationally, yes, but here specifically a Good News about our goals, our vision, our purpose, everything that we want to be about here as a church. And so this is why this is an important series for us. We started this series out with intentional worship. Worship is to be God-centered. And because our bodies are the temple of the Lord, worship is wherever we are. It doesn't happen just on Sunday morning, just in the congregation like this. And it's certainly not, the church is not a building. We are the church. So worship happens wherever we are. Four weeks ago, it was intentional community. Our living together with one another. Our one anothering, loving one another, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, deferring to one another. All the one another's that are found in Scripture, including the kissing one another during a COVID pandemic, somehow gets pulled off inside of Scripture. Intentional community. Three weeks ago, it was intentional discipleship. Remember? Everyone needs a mentor to imitate. Everyone needs one. Some are spiritually more mature than less Christians, less mature Christians, and so therefore they should mentor them. Just like a baby grows physically, Christians are supposed to grow up spiritually. And this kind of discipleship, it gets passed down from generation to generation because you are not the last link of the chain. You are just the next link of the chain. And then last week, intentional ministry, Romans 12, we saw that every one of us has a spiritual gift, and it's to be used both formally and in informal ministry. Both types are needed. Neither one is greater than the other. They both are needed for us as we intentionally live our lives. And that's four messages in two minutes. Not bad. And... In the next two minutes, times 15, we are going to talk about intentional evangelism. God is in the business of turning hearts back to himself. And really, the most important question that you could ever be asked and the most important question that you could ever ask is, has God turned your heart back to him? If you were dead in your sins... But now you are spiritually alive, like you're in love with Jesus, God has turned your heart. If you were at one time blind in seeing the gospel and you didn't understand the gospel, but now you see Jesus as a treasure and your joy, God turned your heart. If you were once selflessly in love with yourself more than Christ, if you once loved your family more than Christ, if you once loved your possessions more than Christ, but now you sing songs like we did earlier, all to be like you, give all I have just to know you, Jesus, there's no one beside you forever, the hope in my heart, then God has turned your heart. And God is still in the business of turning hearts. And he will Turn hearts. John 10, 16, 27, 29 says, But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who gave them to me, he is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I just say, does that put a little bounce in your step? I mean, what better news is there than that? How's how's the Dow Jones doing today? I know it's closed. Is it up? Is it down? You know what? With news like that, it doesn't matter. Or the S&P. Or promotions and raises and academic achievements, getting stuff, going places, even babies and grandbabies. These are all super good gifts from God. And they all have a place in our life. But man, when we keep things in perspective, when our forever guaranteed salvation is in place and that no one is going to snatch them from Jesus, there ain't nothing better than that. Even English teachers would say it that way. There ain't nothing better than that. I think that's my rebellious coming through. They circle that in red all the time. Are there hearts in your family members or your friends that are hearts of stone? Don't lose hope. God says... I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. God is still turning hearts. Are there a bunch of stiff-necked, disobedient hearts in this city that will not submit to God? God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my rules. God is still moving hearts hearts. Are there people around us who are in deep bondage to the devil and they absolutely refuse to repent? God says, I will grant repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth so that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. I'm telling you, God is still turning hearts. No one is too lost for God. No one is too lost for God. No one. Even the hardest of hearts, God turns back to Himself. Excuse me. And the hope of evangelism is that God will turn the hearts of people. That's why we evangelize. And in God's sovereign plan, He has always used people to be the mouthpiece, to evangelize. That heart starts to leading to the turning of the heart. If you're saved, think back of the people in your life who were the evangelistic speakers: mom and dad, teacher, coach, friend, neighbor, co-worker. This is God's plan. This is his way. Some might be thinking, "What is the word evangelism mean? We don't hear that word a lot." That's a good question. Evangelism is sharing the gospel. And here's the key to it. Like, this is really, really important for us to get to the point where I'm saying, move to the edge of your seat. Lean in. You need to hear this. This is the most important part of knowing about evangelism, and it is this. Evangelism is sharing the entire gospel as presented in the Bible. If anything is presented as the gospel that's not in the Bible, it's not the gospel. If anything is added to the gospel as described in the Bible, it's not the gospel. If anything is left out of the gospel as described in the Bible, it's not the gospel. Too much modern evangelism is this watered-down gospel. It's a very man-centered gospel. But that's not the gospel of the Bible. When we evangelize, we share the good news. That's what the word means, the gospel means, means good news. But before we get to the good news, you got to start with the bad news. So I'm going to be a bearer of bad news that leads to good news. People are separated from a holy, righteous God by sin. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen. And God hates sin, and he's angry with the wicked every day. We don't hear that a lot. Psalm 7.11, God is a righteous judge and a God who shows his wrath every day and Hebrews 9:27 says that death and judgment are inevitable and it's impossible for man to do anything about it. Man that is bad news. But when we share the gospel and leave this out, that's bad news as well. We must tell the entire gospel, and too often what gets missed in evangelism is the holiness of God. Do you remember Isaiah's vision of God, of heaven and the angels are all around his throne and they're calling out to one another and what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Of all the attributes that they could have selected, it was his holiness. It wasn't love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. It certainly could have been But it was holy, holy, holy. And we cringe at the idea of God hating because we are so much more comfortable with God is love. Aren't you? But God will not compromise His holiness. His hatred for sin is real. It burns within him. And so we have to tell the entire gospel. We start with the bad news. And then we should be like John the Baptist and say, repent, for heaven is near. Repentance just means turn away from, change your way of thinking. And when a person has an understanding of God's holiness that the Holy Spirit puts upon him, there's this conscious decision to turn from sin and to turn from God. And then comes the really, really good news. What no person could do to be saved, Jesus did on the cross. There's the love of God. On the cross, Jesus exchanges all of his righteousness for all of our sins, and we stand before God clean, holy, and pure, and we escape God's wrath. And we live with him forever. That's the entire gospel of the Bible. And when it's shared with people who don't know God yet, it's called evangelism. I want us to turn to Matthew 28, 16 through 20 as our primary text today. Many of you know it as the Great Commission. It's a mandate that Jesus himself gave to everyone that follows him. It's a commissioning to evangelizing and making disciples. Start in verse 16. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Let me just pause here and say, what a sobering reminder that this mandate of evangelism and making disciple-making, it's a lifelong commitment. Notice that it says there were 11 disciples traveling because Judas, the 12th disciple, was no longer with them. He was no longer committed to the Great Commission. It is a very sobering thought to think that people can look like they are all about God's work, but in reality, not even a follower of Christ. Serious words from 1 John 2.19 They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. That's incredibly sobering. It certainly bears asking the question from earlier, has God turned your heart to himself? Then back in verse 17, so the 11, when they saw him, they worshipped. Some doubted. A few weeks ago, we read from Acts 2 and the birth of the church and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then at that time, there were people that were doubting then. Remember that? There's always going to be doubters until Jesus says otherwise. Verse 18, then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you are a Christian, there's your marching orders. There's your job description. There's your purpose in life. And I want to give you three reasons from these verses as why we should evangelize. We want to be so intentional with evangelism that it's getting two weeks of our attention. This week, why to evangelize. Next week will be how to evangelize. And here they are. Because Jesus has all the authority, he commands us to go. Because Jesus has all the authority, he commands us where to go. Because Jesus has all the authority and he commands us to go and where to go and it's backed by a promise. So let's start there with number one. We ought to evangelize and make disciples because Jesus has all authority, absolute authority, and he commands us to go. Verse 18, circle the words all authority in heaven and on earth. It all belongs to Jesus. So when we go... We go in his power and in his authority. We go with his stamp of authority. We go with him giving us the clearance. There's no limit to his authority. I wonder, have you ever been placed in authority or given authority? It is limited. But not so with Jesus. I I tried to think, where in my life have I been like, like the most powerful where does that exist? Is it in my home as a dad, as an owner of a business, CEO? Is it, is it the police chief or the mayor, or the governor, Congress, Senate, or the president? But my mind went to this, like having absolute authority. It's when I play Monopoly and I've got every property, Like skyscraper hotels, and this pile of money is right there in front of me. You know what I mean? Y'all never been in that kind of authority. I want to play against you. (laughs) And then the other person, he's on the other side of the table, and and not only is he shaking the dice, but his whole body is shaking because he knows that no matter where he lands, it's in trouble. I'm in absolute authority on that. Even if he lands in the jail, I had so much money that I bought the jail earlier. (laughs) So when Jesus talks about all authority, it's mine, it's endless, and it's limitless. It's why we're told to pray in his name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why? Because all authority goes through his name. John 10 this is what he says about his own life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. He has all authority over life and death. Over all Objects, the sun, the moon, the stars, over all the weather patterns, blizzards and rain and hurricanes and tsunamis, over the seasons of the year, fall, winter, summer, spring. He has all authority over fire, wind and water and dirt, all authority over famine and disease and pandemics, all authority over the gazillion amount of plants and the gazillion amount of animals that we know about. And even the ones we don't know about has all authority over the molecules and atoms and protons and electrons and neutrons and energy. He's got all authority over government and armies and rulers, over Satan and demons and angels and you and me and the other 9 billion people that exist. All authority belongs to him, from gigantic galaxies to microscopic particles and everything in between. Anything that your mind can think of, he has absolute authority over it. Amen. Do not be like a donut and glaze over this. <laughs> I told my wife, I don't know. But listen in all seriousness be like a well a deep 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 well with the understanding that Jesus has all authority over heaven and on earth and then he speaks to his followers like this when he sends them out with his authority he says this Luke 10:19 behold i have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Our going out to evangelize and to make disciples, it is ordered by the most authoritative absolute person in the entire universe. So we ought to go because God is in the business of turning hearts back to himself. Literally, the word go, it means as you are living, as you are doing life, evangelize. Make disciples. Just as it is common for us to eat and sleep, it should be just as common for us to intentionally evangelize. That's how we are called to think and to live and to pray like a missionary. Put this question in your mind. How would a missionary live, look, and pray in my shoes? Sometimes when we hear the word missionary, we think, missionary. Oh, that's like that special category of being a Christian. Like, they're the ones that, uh, you know, they go over the ocean. They go to Africa and Brazil and all those countries over there. That's a big negative all christians are missionaries it's true some do go there but all are christians are missionaries and what do they do they share the good news they befriend the lost they care for the lost they love those who don't know god yet if people are hungry they feed them if they're thirsty they give them a drink missionaries are people who are on mission for god and if you are a follower of jesus then you are an extension of his ministry, which means God's intention is for you to be a missionary and for you to evangelize and to go and make disciples. What's it look like from my shoes thinking like a missionary? I think about my surroundings, where I live, where I drive, where I work, where I school. Think about the people that I interact with, strategize like a missionary. Where do I hang out? The gym, the park, the mall, the diners, the grocery store, all the places that hobbies take place. And really, we need to say this. I think we need to say this, church. Missionaries are not caught off guard with all the rampant secularism of the day not caught off guard by all the sinful lifestyles and the non-Christian religions. As missionaries, we expect that. A dog's going to do what a dog does. It's going to bark like a dog does because it's a dog. A worldly unsaved person is going to be a worldly unsaved person because they are an unsaved person. We can't be shocked by that. But we have an understanding, a very profound understanding about our own identity. We understand that we are personal diplomats for Christ's kingdom. We Christians, we work on behalf of God. We're the ambassadors representing Christ in a largely dark and demon-infested world. But missionaries go with an understanding of verses like John 1-5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never Extinguish it. Missionaries are like Jesus in this way. They run to the darkness with the light. They don't just curse the darkness. They don't just get cynical and condemn the darkness. Oh, those sinners are so terrible. Can you believe what the world... We can't do that. We run with the light. Listen, I know we don't minimize sin. Absolutely not. Scripture clearly forbids the practice of sinning. And condoning it. But it is God's job. To judge those outside. Of the faith of Christ. It's none of our business. But it is our business. To shine the light. In the darkness. And to bring the good news. To Jesus of Jesus. To declare that Jesus is Lord. So we ought to go. Because Jesus is in the business turning hearts back to himself. And the second thing, we ought to go evangelize and make disciples because Jesus tells us where to go. In verse 19, he clearly says it. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Circle those two words. All nations, that's where we go. This side of the ocean, other side of the ocean, north, south, east, west, all directions. It's where we go. This mandate is a worldwide multi ethnic mandate. And know this all forms of racism are completely destroyed by this gospel mandate. Psalm 2 says that the Father is giving Jesus all the nations as his inheritance. And we know in the book of Revelation that surrounded around the throne that there's going to be people from every tribe, every nation, every land, all gathered around that nation. All people groups are saved by the same blood of Jesus. We're all adopted into this family. The gospel is for all skin colors. It's worldwide. So we ought to go with all the authority that he gives, and we ought to go everywhere because God is in the business of turning hearts back to himself. And the third is we ought to go and evangelize and make disciples all over the place because Jesus gives us a promise to trust. Verse 20b, And remember, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I just encourage you to circle, I am with you always. As we go and everywhere we go, it's a 24-7 promise. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ to my left. Christ to my right. Christ, a 360-degree force field of protection around me. When he first came, as introduced in the book of Matthew, what they say, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. God is in the business of turning hearts back to himself. So we should go trusting The promise that He is with us always. Let's pray. I, I just think it's important to ask again Has God turned your heart back? To him. And then for for every believer, follower of Jesus, do you go boldly in his authority and in the power of Jesus? Do you go trusting his promises? Father, thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to be our chauffeur through these Bible verses today. Lord, do whatever is necessary in our lives to cause us to love you and love others more and better. Make us a church that intentionally runs to the darkness with the light of the gospel. God forbid that we do nothing. Move us to be doers of your word. We have heard the mandate and you have backed it with your authority and your promise. Father, make it so that we can go with confidence. Make it so that we can go with boldness. Put our fears away of man and what they may do. And oh, Father, let us watch. Watch you turn the hearts of people back to yourself. In Jesus' name, the all-absolute authority name we pray. Amen.